last week, Vince and I had a conversation on looking lovingly at our past selves. And this week, our hope is to extend um, that feeling of self-compassion to our current selves, which for some of us, that might be a little bit harder of a task. This requires us to acknowledge that we are always changing, and that is a good thing. Somewhere along the way, I think I internalized this belief at one point that in order to really follow Jesus, I needed to remain grounded in absolute certainty, that my beliefs and thoughts had to stand firm in all of the other worldly things that I encountered, and that it was almost heretical to come to belief to acknowledge the necessary process of changing, starting with actual lived out experience instead of starting with things like the Bible, mm -hmm. that, ex that beliefs and new ways of being could come from the ways that I was navigating the world. Mm. Um, and so I think when we look at this, this conversation around self-compassion and the inevitability of changing, there's some, um, some of this certainty gets a little threatened, and that's actually a good thing. And there is a place for certainty. I know with a great deal of confidence that God is abundantly loving. I know that living a life rooted in and motiva motivated by love is necessary. I know that God weeps with those who weep in grieving losses in the face of suffering and injustice. And my life is shaped by this knowing. But most of the knowing that I know has come from actual lived out life. And I've welcomed the notion that I will always be in process, never arrived. Yep. And that is such a relief. Yep. I have changed my mind about the world and about God and myself and community more times than I can count. So how do we navigate this uh, being a people that are in process? How do we navigate coming to new realizations and listening and learning without sinking into judgment or shame? How do we hold our current stories and beliefs gracefully? So as Vince and I were talking about this, um, he brought in a Richard Rohr quote that I found really helpful and that's going to shape our conversation today. So Rohr is a Franciscan priest who has written a lot on spirituality and contemplation and a lot of other things. Um, and when he looks at the way that Jesus models growth and encourages new beliefs, he says, no one can think themselves into new ways of living. We must live ourselves into new ways of thinking. I'll say it again. No one can think themselves into new ways of living. We must live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And this counteracts the narrative that we're given in a lot of settings. A desire to know all the things can actually keep us from moving forward. If I know everything there is to know about anti-racist work, then I can begin. You're automatically anti-racist, yes, right. If I know everything there is to know about nourishing my body well, then I can make changes in yes. my life. Yep that we have to be experts before we ever move. Yep. And once we're experts, our mindset has to be set in stone. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. that we encounter has to be sorted into these already existing categories in our mind. Mm. It's a pretty stagnant way to navigate life. Mm. And the pressure to be experts actually gets in the way of really living in a new way. Boy, in the age of the internet especially, it just becomes so difficult because all of that information is at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure is like, it's, it's exponential. I know. It really is. And Vince, I'm wondering as we're talking if there are ways uh, that you've experienced this attempt. It's almost the, the opposite, the flip here of yeah. trying yeah. to think your trying way. Trying to think my way into new into ways new of living. living. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th I mean, I, I think 
to be honest, um, I think the first, uh, if, if you would have talked to Vince like 15 years ago, I would be dubious about this um, <laughs> because I, I guess I have like a story that I used to tell about myself that I'm a very disciplined person. Like I remember in middle school, I, uh, I, I had a bad habit of biting my fingernails. Um, and then I remember somebody saying, um, that's a bad habit, you shouldn't do that. And I remember that I just, I just stopped. I was able to stop biting my fingernails. I didn't like do any like, you know, trick or anything, or like you know, the internet wasn't a thing at that point, so I didn't like <laughs> look it up. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I just stopped. And so I think I kind of like believed for a while that I could think myself into a new way of living, because like I did it, I'm a disciplined yeah. person. But I, that's just never consistently applied to any other thing in my life except biting my nails. So um, I think my daily reminder that I cannot think my way into, um, think myself into new ways of living is parenting. Hmm. Uh, so I have uh, three kids with a fourth on the way, and uh, they span the ages of two and a half to eight. And it is, um, my wife and I are pr try to be really intentional. Uh, we've read books together about like, you know, the way that we want to parent in accordance to our values. And it's still just really difficult day in, day out to not resort to yelling too quickly or making empty threats, um, which are, those two are not in the category of uh, parenting according to our values. Just throwing that out there. It's not there. Um, it's just really difficult. It's really difficult to, um, you know, like I want it to be the case that we read a book and we talk about it and we have a really like, oh my gosh, that was really connecting. Like, I really felt like we were on the same page. Didn't you? Yes. Oh, but it doesn't quite make the difference. Just having it in my head doesn't mean that I automatically live it out. And so yeah. that's a daily reminder for me. Yeah. And yeah. I like those two examples because the first one kind of gets at we create a narrative about ourselves and then we want to sort all of our experiences into that. So like, oh, I stopped biting my nails and now I am the most disciplined person can, out there. I can change, I can, you know, end racism because yeah. I stopped biting my nails. Yeah. <laughs> but then the other one, I think it's this clash of what we really are desiring to be true and we're reading all of these good words and taking in new information, which we certainly should do, and just the humanizing reminder that even when we're in that place of trying to know there's something embodied yeah, that yeah. might go against that yeah. and it takes a little bit longer of a process. Yeah. Do you know another thing that's coming to my mind here which is less like a behavior that I want to improve at uh, which I guess is the you know like I want to improve at being a parent but I guess there's there's other ones that are not so much about like behaviors I want to improve at but just like beliefs I want to hold mm -hmm. like I, I uh, the idea that I am okay if something is a mess. I'm not a bad person if something is a mess is something that I've struggled with a great deal throughout my life um, because I'm kind of a perfectionist and I think things should be in orderly piles. I think physical, like, the, you know, I really like that this is symmetrical. This is really great. In fact, let's get rid of this and that's symmetrical. So there we go. There's an example of my perfectionism, but also like emotionally, I need things to be nice. You know, I remember one, I think this was like four or five years ago at the church, but one Sunday, I, like we were using my computer for, uh, for the visuals on the screen. And I was like, guys, do you want to see my desktop? There's no items on my desktop. People are like, who is this alien who doesn't have a bunch of like, you know, files and things on their desktop? That's just me. I like things orderly. And so it's really hard for me when things are messy, when things are emotionally messy, when things are physically messy, for me to feel okay, for mm -hmm. me to feel balanced. And I like, I've read about this, you know, like I've talked about it in therapy. I've thought it through to the <laughs> maximum power, but it doesn't change that I can't just, I can't just uh, 
I can't just think my way into uh, a reality where that doesn't stress me out. Yeah. Uh, it's, it actually takes some, something different to do that. Yeah. My example with this is actually tied to perfectionism, too. Okay. Um, and procrastination has been a thing my entire life. And I actually read this article that talked about how perfectionists tend to procrastinate because of this very reason that they want to have all of the answers and everything planned out exactly how it should go. Um, I remember in college talking to my now husband, Andy, about writing papers. We were in the same class together and I had pages and pages of notes <laughs> and all this stuff highlighted and things all laid out. And he was just already working on his paper and just kind of like opening a book casually and adding in something and go like doing everything as he went. It's like, how do you do that? You don't need to know like everything there is to know about the subject before you start. Um, but every class that I took, that's what you would do. I said, yeah. I'm definitely not going to procrastinate this time. I'm not going to leave things for the last minute. I know it causes me stress. I'm not going to do it this time. And that was a very bold claim for someone whose only method of getting things done was procrastination. I wrote my very last paper of college the night before my graduation ceremony. Um, <laughs> before your graduation ceremony. <laughs> none of this ever changed. Um, and I tried to think a lot of helpful thoughts about changing and about, I read about different ways to navigate school and yeah. things like that. And it was something that I really deeply desired. Yeah. And no matter how much I thought about not procrastinating anymore, yeah. I still procrastinated yeah. all the time. There we go. You can't think yourself into new ways of living. Nope. So what if we talk about the flip? Yeah. What if we talk about <clears throat> what, uh, what uh, in this, this great quote from Father Rohr, if we cannot think ourselves into new ways of living, what does it mean that we actually can uh, potentially live ourselves into new ways of thinking, if that, uh, if that is possible? So Father Rohr, when he teaches about this, uh, he often refers to a, uh, a teaching from the life of Jesus uh, that is recorded in Matthew 7, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'll just, I'll read from it for you all and you can hear it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, the beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and uh, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And so what Rohr points to in this teaching from Jesus is this word practice. It is practice. It is the actual living of life that comes first to shape who we are and what we believe into something either solid or shaky, right? Either rock-like or fragile sand-like. Uh, believing that we can decide ahead of time or that we, we can uh, get enough information ahead of time to uh, set our behavior and our practice out on the right foot and it'll just, it'll just work without actually like doing first mm -hmm. is, uh, is setting ourselves up for a crash, a shame spiral, or societally speaking, it's setting us, uh, it's setting us up for injustice, things that, get, that go unchecked uh, and just, you know, things persist as the status quo. Uh, so we mustn't let ourselves get buried by the I should, I should be better because I know better voice. Mm -hmm. I wonder if anyone struggles with that voice. I should be better because I know better. Oh, God, you knew better. Why did you do that? I was just talking with somebody this morning, uh, kind of like thinking about my own experiences and my family's own experiences. Ah, I should have known better, and therefore I should be better. Mm -hmm. 
it is, I mean, it, it's, that, that voice is like, is soul crushing. I mean, you, there's, there's no way you're going to, you know, experience successful behavior change if it's something that you want to uh, move past, if that's where you're starting. And so, Rohr suggests we need to instead listen to this voice from Jesus. First comes experimentation and practice. First comes experimentation and practice. And then, over time, you realize that you're rewired. Over time, you realize your foundation is in rock. And I, I think about what we were talking about last week, where we can read Jesus' words sometimes through a lens of judgment and be like, oh my gosh, like, better be the guy who's building their house on rock, not on sand, because God is watching, you know. Mm -hmm. Or we can read this as like Jesus explaining the way life works. Mm -hmm. Like, if you start with practice, you will find that you have built a house on rock. If you, like, listen to words or listen to wisdom or read that article or whatever it is or listen to a sermon or, and then you just, you know, think, like, it'll, it'll automatically change how you live, you are living, you are building your house on sand. And I just think, like, that, that, that just feels really important. This is, in, in Jesus' day, it's like superstition and oppressive religion that are peddling these things. But in our day, I mean, like, voices that we can listen to, think, you know, like I was saying, like with the internet of like, there are unlimited things out there that could shame us and, and tell us like, now you know, so you should just automatically be better. Mm -hmm. There are unlimited sources for that. We will turn around, you know, for the rest of today and probably, I don't know, like there's been studies about like how many advertisements people lay eyes on in like the 21st century and over the course of like, you know, six hours or something like that. It, it's unbelievable. We will, there will never not be things, voices coming at us like this. We cannot listen to the I should, I should be better because I know better voice. It will, it'll, it'll just ruin us. We have to listen to this kinder voice of live yourself into new ways of thinking. So that's the, I think that's the pattern of it. What does this look like in real life? Do you, do you have an example of, of living yourself into a new way of thinking? Yeah, and I think too, before we go there, there's something that's coming to mind for me is the difference between the way that the religious elite and the way that the disciples or people who did not fall in that religious elite category were interacting with Jesus okay, around okay. this. In the Gospels, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what, what's your example? Yeah, so when we think about um, in the Gospels when Jesus calls the disciples, they go and they follow. Hmm. And then in the following, in the active practice of walking and going into new territory, they encounter people that are really, really different from themselves. Mm -hmm. And they see Jesus interacting with people they would never have interacted with. And they ask questions and they get things wrong and they learn new things in the process. And it's all this trajectory that's leading them to be more loving and more compassionate with a clearer sense of justice and the kingdom of God in view. Mm. Um, whereas on the flip side, the religious elite and the priests and things like that were always so focused on right belief first. Yep. They're and trying a lot to trap of, them, ask Jesus questions. Yes. What do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. is always trying to entrap them in questions around right belief. Like, mm -hmm. you can't heal on the Sabbath. You can't be interacting with people who were deemed unclean. Mm. Um, and so the stress that Jesus has on go and do likewise, on the action-based mm -hmm. things like loving your neighbor, um, that our beliefs and our understandings, just like the disciples and those that Jesus encounters, are changed by actively doing, yep. not necessarily by believing or thinking. Yeah, I love that. And then, and then tying it again to this lens of love rather than lens of judgment that yes, you suggested yeah. last week is 
all of that is about like let me if if you're looking to you know make your way in the world where your soul doesn't feel constantly weighed down and empty and flat and upset that let me let me let me just just follow me just mm -hmm. like like live a life that is, that starts with living rather than that starts with overthinking and and believing that that will get you the life that you want absolutely that's good that's good yeah. So, what, uh, so what's an example of this yeah. for you? Um, so I've also, I've really encountered this mentality of uh, living our new, ourselves into new ways of thinking in therapy settings. Because um, I can say that I want to live in a way that's offering myself more self-compassion and grace. I can talk a really good talk about all of those things. Um, but the actual mindset shifts that I've experienced have come from doing and from practices that affirm my self-worth, like prioritizing care and setting clear boundaries. Um, so I'm thinking of a particular season where I was in uh, just a tough bout of depression and mm -hmm. felt really mm -hmm. um, trapped by that and weighed down by that. And all I wanted was for things to be different. Um, I was talking about it in therapy settings. I was doing a lot of work around that. And I really just wanted things to feel and look different. Yeah. And I had to actively make changes about the ways that I was living, even though it was really, really hard and I didn't quite have the energy to do so. The only concrete change that allowed me to move forward by, was by taking that step and acting and yeah. having these practices that I didn't quite believe for myself to be true yet, but mm. because I had others who would encourage me to do things and um, would help me move more towards self-care, that was when the the kind of reset of, oh yeah, I do, my self-worth is important enough for me to really take care of myself. Mm. And I didn't have to look toward others to believe those things. I could actually believe them for myself. Um, there are two practices that I picked up and one of them is, I don't know if this will be helpful for anyone, but one is called opposite action. And when you are wanting to do something like isolate, opposite action says, actually reach out to a friend instead. Mm. Okay. Or if you're wanting to shut the blinds and shut the doors and stay inside all day, go for a walk. Mm. Breathe in the fresh air, move your body, do things that will help you actually feel, um, just have things that'll feel meaningful mm. in your day. And then the other one is behavioral activation, which says if you are trying to absolutely change everything about yourself in this kind of thinking mindset, don't start there do the next small step to okay. move yourself in that direction. Hmm. Hmm. And hmm. so it becomes kind of this progression of just like, what are the small things in front of me that I can actively yes. do? I cannot change my behavior a lot of, like right now in a moment, but yes. I can do one thing right now in the direction of that. Yeah, hmm. and that's, I think a lot of this too is this misconception that we can be a before and an after. Yeah. We can have a clear moment of absolutely changing everything yeah. through yeah. right beliefs or yeah. right thinking. But instead, it's this really, really messy process of just constant unfolding and constant change. Mm. And that can be really unsettling. But I think the beliefs that have come out of that time in my life are so much deeper. The things that I know of myself to be true, the things that I know of God to be true, of community to be true, when it was rooted in seasons that were messy and real and lived out, it's held so much more meaning for me than sitting at a desk and trying to study things. Yeah, well, and, and I, I, it strikes me that there's a lot of, it, that cuts against a lot of misconceptions about what does it mean to experience God in the midst of a hard thing. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I believe that most of us, whether we've spent much time in churches or not, the common, um, 
the common picture that you might get of like, here is a story that I tell, you know, here's a, a story that a pastor tells, like in, when they're preaching, is like, here was this moment, and then God showed up, and everything was different, you know, and it like, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a mountaintop experience, or it was like a total flip of the script, and what I've, I think what I've come to experience in reality is that for most people, that's not the story. That's not actually the story of how God is woven into their lives. You know, that's not the story of God saving them. The stories are much more, here was this long, gradual process, and I just found as I lived into trying to do that with God, I, you know, is there, was there a magical turning point? I don't know, maybe sometimes I can point to something that was really powerful, but for the most part, it's not a magical turning point. It's a gradual understanding that you, you look down one day and you realize you're standing on rock and not on sand anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I, I remember having a conversation once where uh, thinking about who are the people that I look up to uh, in terms of like they're they're in their they're in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and they just have this rich experience of life. They feel deeply cared for by God. They they are like they have community all around them. And I look at those people and I realize those are the people who have experienced God weave God's self into hard things many times over. And 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 they don't necessarily have the amazing mountaintop stories to tell. Mm-hmm. But then I think about people who have maybe like, they've, they've had mountaintop experiences. They grew up in churches that, that uh, prayed constantly for things like the miraculous to happen. And maybe they saw some things happen that they couldn't explain and that was powerful. And sometimes I see those people and realize like, as life goes on, that doesn't necessarily sustain them always. Like, it's, 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 it's shocking to me on one hand, but then it's not shocking to me on another hand that, like, mountaintop experiences don't build a faith that lasts for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It is finding God in the depths and seeing a gradual reality of, like, I am not alone over a long period of time mm-hmm. that builds a, an experience for, that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even just the, when you look at Scripture, the fact that Jesus is in a tomb and is mm. buried mm. and um, not alive anymore, that that speaks so much more powerfully, at least for me, yep. than this yep. mountaintop view yep. of God yep. Um, yep. or of experiencing God, yep. that it yep. becomes um, in the valleys, in the mundane, in just the navigating life, um, that that is where belief and understanding and sometimes just the things that don't even make sense an embrace yeah. of mystery yeah that like that, you said like losing certainty not yes. having it and being okay like what if i, I yeah. was okay what if that didn't stress me out yeah yeah um and so when we move into this place of the stress of just living instead of having to have it all figured out first i think we're better able to see god woven into all the mm-hmm. everyday mm-hmm. everyday things that we encounter yeah. instead of needing to have things sorted out into a um, a really solid and confident place. Yeah, yeah. For me, the I think the biggest personal example of living myself into a new way of thinking is community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think back to uh, college-aged Vince, and um, I sort of had the uh, the self-image of being a loner. Um, and you know, like I would, you know, go to the. I, I did. I didn't really get along with my roommates uh, my sophomore year of college, and so I would, you know, I would quickly get up and get out and go to class and go to the, the, uh, the um, cafeteria and get my food and eat alone and listen, you know, listen to something on, on headphones. And, 
and, uh, and you know, watch Born Identity because he was alone and I'm alone, you know? And, and so uh, I think I had this like self view of I'm a loner. And uh, what started to change that was my experience of community for the first time through church settings where like people got together and actually spent time with each other and didn't just try to laugh with each other. There was plenty of that too, but there was also an intention to like, how are you really doing? You know, uh, can, there was lots of ask of like, can we pray for each other? You know, we're sharing each other's burdens. That was a new thing for me. And now I like, I step back and I look at the last 15 years of my life and I realize I have had consistent experience of community for 15 years. And after, after being in a place at, at like college age events where I was just kind of convinced that, I, you know, I was cool. I, I was actually, I was at peace with it that I'm a loner, but that wasn't serving me, right? Like I, did, I felt like nobody understood me. I felt like I had to carry my burdens alone. Mm -hmm. And now realizing like, I, I, like I've been a part of some sort of like morning, uh, once a week morning men's group for the last 10 years. And I, so it just means like on a, on a weekly basis or something, I'm just, I'm talking to some friends and saying, here's my emotional reality this week. What's yours? All right. Well, we can't fix each other, but let's pray. Yeah. And how much that has changed me where I, I, I just, I, I never make a big decision without asking people first. I, I always feel like if I'm, if I'm stressed out, I can ask somebody to pray for me. And that is a totally different experience from Vince 15 years ago. And I did not like think that and, and you know, it was like, I need to live my life in community because that's what people are telling me to do and then made it so. I've just gradually lived myself into a new way of thinking. And I think it's important. I mean, maybe this doesn't feel true, but when you first went to a small group type setting, yep. it wasn't, your mindset wasn't, I need to do this so that my entire concept of Oh, absolutely. Who I, I have no idea what the, end, <laughs> what the end goal was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's some of this too is you often can't see the full Oh, yeah, view. true. And, and the internet, like, makes us think, right? It's like, oh, I, this is where I need to get. So, you know, one step at a time, I'm going to get there in three months, yeah. which is just crazy, right? Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, what's, what's, the, what's the do the one thing right in front of you? Yeah. What was it? Be behavioral? The, with the behavioral activation. Behavioral activation. This is just so much more sane yes. than thinking I can know the end point yes. of, of what's next for me. Yeah. That it's not input and output. It's mm. do something, show up, even if it's, especially if it's imperfectly, mm. begin mm. anyways, mm. and kind of wait and see what happens. Mm. I like that a lot, yeah. a lot more, a lot more. <laughs> Me yeah. too. Um, so some of uh, how this ties into our conversations that are coming up for us, being able to hold the process of changing and growing and um, unfolding in our lives, whether we are looking at our past selves or our current selves, this idea of self-compassion, it is all kind of getting to this point for Lent that we are going to be looking at some um, false beliefs that we want to be giving up. So traditionally in a season of Lent, you're giving something up or you're taking something new on as an active practice. And so for us this year, each week we are going to be walking through um, a different false belief that we want to be giving up. Um, I had a professor once frame these as half gospels or false gospels, mm. and I really like that, mm. that mm -hmm. often things half. are just distorted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is a seed of truth. For some of these, there's really not, but maybe there's something 
in there that feels a little bit true, mm. but it's gotten really distorted mm -hmm. and weaponized and used in different settings to harm people. Um, so some of these that we're going to be looking at are a, a blueprint view of God and faith, the Bible as an idol, purity culture, romance will complete you, Christian supremacy, and a wrath and punishment view of God. Boy, those just sound... That's so, a lot. <laughs> this is a lot, a lot of half-truths there, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A whole lot. Um, so besides just going through each of these topics week to week, um, there will also be two small group settings, if that sounds enticing for you, if it's something that you would like to be a part of. The first one, Erica is going to be leading a group that is focused on reading scripture together through the lens of non-white voices. Um, so for one of their weeks, they're going to be looking at Dolores Williams, who's a womanist theologian, uh, particularly looking at the story of Hagar, which gets me really excited. And maybe for some people is like, I don't understand a word you just said, but it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. Um, so looking at the Bible through non-white voices is going to be the hope of that group. And then Liv uh, Mott is going to be leading a group. I think it was Karen who last week named it yeah. the um, Jesus, I guess group, <laughs> which is also really exciting for yes. me. Um, so this would be a great group for you if maybe right now you are unsure about what you believe. Um, you're living in a space of a lot of questions. Um, so just wanting to talk with other people without kind of the weight of Christianese or things like that, maybe have a margarita together. Um, that would be the group for you. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a QR code up on the screen. If you want to be a part of either of those uh, small group experiences that are going to get going as Lent gets going, Lent begins on March 1st, which is Ash Wednesday. So we're about a week and a half away from that. Uh, you can follow this QR code and uh, and then let us know which group you want to be uh, in touch with. So you can have some uh, community experience while we're doing this together. But then uh, I, I'm also looking forward to, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people, like if you're in a stage right now where you don't have any more time in your weeks to devote to anything else, if you just show up on Sundays each week, uh, boy, those, those are some tasty morsels mm -hmm. that you just laid out there, Haley, for conversations that we're going to have about false beliefs. So you can, you can show up on Sundays and we'll get a lot out of that. Uh, so I want to give some final thoughts here as we're talking about, you know, living ourselves into new ways of thinking. Um, and as we're, as we're tying that to our plan for Lent, if we, I think if we want to experience success leaving behind uh, beliefs that are false, that aren't serving us, that maybe did for a time but no longer are, um, we, we have to come in with this sort of approach of, uh, it, you know, it's really easy when we're thinking about uh, belief stuff, head stuff, stuff that's like the, the background, you know, operating system for our heads, it's really easy for us to get into uh, a rut where we try to think ourselves into a new way of living. We just, oh, we just talk about it enough, and then it'll be better, and I'll believe differently. And that is just not how we work as human beings. Uh, beliefs are really, really uh, a perfect example of the kind of things that we're talking about here. Uh, believing, um, belie you know, like believing in your own self-worth. That, that, that's a belief thing, believing that I am not a loner, that people like me, that I am lovable. That's a belief thing. And likewise, when we talk about the ways that we conceive of who God is, how the world works, those are, those are like patterns of thinking that if we want to change, we need to start with the living ourselves into those changes and not just believing that we can talk it, talk it out and think it through and it'll just change automatically. So that's why each of these Sundays, 
our plan is not just to talk about these false beliefs, but also to give an experiment, like, or even a couple of experiments that people can actually put into practice. Uh, and so uh, th there's gonna be things that's like, okay, if, if, you, if you resonate with this, what we're talking about, like when we talk about purity culture, you feel like that is something that has hurt you in the past, or it's, it's a belief that you, that you had and it is no longer serving you, here are some experiments for you to try in, say, your prayer life, for you to try, say, with your trusted inner circle of friends, you know, something to ask, something to say, uh, something that you can maybe say to yourself um, as like positive self-talk that might, that might cut against and give you a chance to live yourself into a new belief. That's our goal for each of these Sundays, is we want you to come away with experiments. We don't just want to, like, preach to the choir and say, man, aren't these beliefs rotten? Yeah, here, here, they're rotten. See you next Sunday. You know, like, we, we, we actually, we, we want to change these things. We want everybody to come away with alternative ways of believing that you actually feel confident about because you've had some experience living them out. And, you know, like, we can, again, we can just like think it through to the cows come home, but will that actually give us confidence in like, I, I find myself like I'm, I'm standing on something different. It's no longer sand. I'm standing on rock. That's our interest. That's what we want to get to. And so I suppose I have one like suggestion as we move into Lent and as we move into having these six specific conversations, I kind of want to suggest that you pick one or two you don't try to do all six. And maybe that, I, I mean, like, I, don't get me wrong, I want you at church every Sunday. Like, don't, don't, but, but I know that, like, there is a limited bandwidth, right? And honestly, it, it's not even a limited bandwidth thing. I think even, even a human being who had no other commitments and just decided, I want to give myself wholly to what Brownline Church is doing over Lent, if you tried to leave six false beliefs behind, like, in 40 days, you would fail. It just wouldn't work. That's not how human beings operate. Uh, if, if, if there's any truth to this idea that we have to live ourselves into new ways of thinking, it takes time. My example of talking about like finding myself in community is happened over the course of many years, right? So uh, what we kind of want to encourage you to do is think about these topics. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, mention them again next week. We're gonna uh, put them out on like our social channel so you can kind of see them and they're in your face of like, oh yeah, that's right. Those are the things we're talking about. Each time it comes to you and you're reminded what we're going to be talking about uh, for March and April at church, I want you to think, what are the one or two that most, like, my eyes draw to? And I realize, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, where, that's where God is guiding me right now. Uh, that's what I want you to think about. That's what I want you to pray about, because I think that we should focus on one. And so if, you know, if, it, if it's one that we're doing early on in Lent, then I would say make a priority to be at that Sunday and then make it, make it an experiment the entire 40 days of Lent to be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the experiment that we talk about that Sunday. And if it's toward the end of Lent and, you know, it's like it's, it, it's one of the last Sundays of Lent, you make it a priority to show up that Sunday, get the experiment, and then think, okay, well, as, as Easter closes and I move into the spring, I'm going to make an effort to, like, for a month, play with this experiment that we talk about at church, because we are not going to rewire ourselves at all if we just talk about it and think that that will fix things. We have to live ourselves into new ways of believing. Well, let me pray for us as we close. God, we are, 
as we're looking ahead with the, in the spirit of these uh, conversations of living ourselves into new ways of thinking, we are looking ahead to the time in the church calendar when we mark death and resurrection, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. This whole season is a preparation and a reminder that one of the important ways that life works is that we let things we let things come to a close. We let chapters finish. We let deaths happen. We let losses, you know, play out their, their dance over us. And then we look for renewal, and we look for resurrection, and we look for what, is, what can be formed out of the ashes. And so this is another chance for us to do this. And this year, as best we can as a, as a community, we are looking to leaving behind some beliefs, letting some beliefs that aren't serving us die so that we can be raised to something better. And so I pray that you would speak to each of us individually. How can, how can this be something that is really, really, uh, it, it's something that we look back to years from now and think, maybe I started something that lent, that changed me. I'd look now and I'm, I'm standing on rock in a way that I never was before. Or maybe we're already in a process here, and it's great because we hear Haley mention these six things that we're going to talk about, and we're like, I've been thinking about that already. Great. Well, then this may, may Lent be for those of us. May Lent this year be like the, the, the best next step in that process for us. I pray that you would give us um, companions along the way. If the small groups that we're hosting here as a church are helpful for some of us, awesome. If there's other friends in our lives that just feel like, hey, they're really safe people that I can do this with and, and be, uh, be on the same team as, that's awesome. Bring those people to our mind right now so we know who they are and prepare us for an experience that, that, will, that will really serve us going forward. And we just, we, we feel that like, again, the the lens of love rather than the lens of judgment. We just feel like, oh my gosh, when we leave this belief behind that isn't serving us, life is so much less cluttered. Mm -hmm. our, 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 mental, our mental space inside is so much less cramped and aggravating, and there's less voices yelling at us like, you should do better because you know better. I pray that this season would kick those, those voices out, and we'd instead be in a much more comfortable a much more, like, self-loving place. And in any way that any of us have a picture of you, God, that is against that, or that is, like, not, you know, increasing our self-love, but increasing our self-hatred, that those would be the first beliefs to go. And we would live ourselves this Lent into a reality where God is, is, is good to me and cares deeply for me, And we pray whatever, uh, whatever is, is the, the next step in behavioral activation for us uh, this week, uh, that that would come clear to us as we step into the rest of the week and leave Sunday service behind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.